please stand for the reading of God's word. Our Old Testament reading comes from Leviticus 14, 1 through 9. The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it, together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop, into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease, and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird in the open fields. The person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and bathe with water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. After this, they may come into the camp, but they must stay outside their tent for seven days. On the seventh day, they must shave off all their hair. They must shave their head, their beard, their eyebrows, and the rest of their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves with water, and they will be clean. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. From our New Testament reading, Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, as Eric mentioned earlier in the services, the first Sunday of Lent. That's a uh, Lent is a, uh, a Christian, a church tradition. It's not in Scripture, but it seems like it's one of these things that seems like a good idea. And so Christians have done it for a long time. It's forty days leading up to um, leading up to Easter, the celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, and it's 40 days to mimic the 40 days of fasting of Christ in the wilderness. And it started Wednesday, and if you're keeping score, this is the fun part of Lent. Okay, so first of all, Lent is a, uh, it's a time of self-denial and extra attention to prayer, which is why we send out the prayers, uh, a time to deny yourself good things that aren't necessarily bad, but that would leave room for you to hunger for the Lord. And so uh, as a time of self-denial, it's actually 46 days from Wednesday to Easter, but we get six party days right in the middle. I love Christianity. So Sundays are a party day, which means today I'm going to be drinking hot chocolate when I go home. That's part of my party. So uh, that's Lent. And, and as we're preaching through, um, through uh, this, this time, this church calendar moment called Lent, we're going to focus on, on stories and teachings from the book of Luke, uh, particularly uh, stories concerning mercy. Uh, the, the theme, the title is called The Posture of Pardon, that we would be a people who have received pardon, who have received help, 
uh, and that we would be people who give pardon, who give mercy, who give help. Uh, and uh, that is, that's what we're going to be focusing on these six, uh, rather five weeks of uh, Sundays in Lent. And uh, today we're looking at Luke 17, uh, the cleansing of the ten lepers. Would you pray with me? Father, we are coming to you as people who need help. We thank you that you pursue us even when we don't think we need help. That you've given us your word because otherwise we'd be lost. That you've given us your very son because we're that helpless. Aim our desperation at you tonight, uh, today, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. When I first came to Rock Creek about six years ago, uh, Henry Henniger made sure I knew on, on one of my first Sundays to be preaching on a communion Sunday that a communion Sunday sermon is not quite a homily. In fact, it should be shortened to be a hom. And so today will be a hum. We're going to go quick and quick and fast on this one, even though there's way too much to cover. Um, this story, we're going to talk about uh, four things that, uh, again, will be on the, on the faster side of this. But uh, four things that happen here. Call out, go away, come near, and go on your way. Uh, call out that we, uh, as, as we are invited in this passage, we're invited by our Savior to call out to him with a loud voice like these lepers did to, to understand our ache and our desperation that would lead us to call out to him and then go away, obedience even when it doesn't make sense. Come near, let your gladness aim you at your healer and then go on your way. The one who receives mercy is gonna be the one who extends mercy. Call out, go away, come near, Go on your way. Way too much to carry uh, to cover. We're going to go fast. Um, first, this is a story and uh, set in towards the end of, of Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel, the second half of Luke, is all about Jesus traveling to Jerusalem. That's why our story starts with as he was on his way to Jerusalem. He is uh, Jesus is traveling towards his death. He's on his way to uh, to to offer himself as a sacrifice. And, um, and this happens uh, on that journey. Luke is particularly concerned as a gospel writer with stories that, uh, that are about the nations, the broader world that is welcomed into this good news. And so we have a story um, that includes uh, Samaritans. Samaritans were a, uh, a much hated group. They would not, uh, Jews, good Jews would not have sat down at the same table with Samaritans. You guys, uh, some of y'all know a lot of those stories, but uh, that is to point out that this is a story about outsiders among outsiders. This is a story about a Samaritan who's already on the outside of, of what's called good and what's called right by, by Jewish people. But then on top of that, it's a story about lepers. Um, lepers, uh, leprosy in, in, in the Bible could cover a number of different kinds of skin diseases, but, uh, but whatever it was, uh, there was a separation. And so you have this story takes place in this separation land, in this borderland between, between God's land, Galilee, and between the wicked uh, Goy nations, the Samaritans. It's, it's a border. It's a separation story. Um, and, uh, and lepers had to be separated from uh, regular society. 
That's why you get these lepers approaching and calling out from a, loud dist- from a long distance away. They called out loudly from a distance. They were honoring the law that said, you can't come near to regular people because you are unclean. We don't want to get sick. They had to call out as they went along the road, unclean, unclean, so that people would know to make a wide berth around them. These are people who have not had human touch and who knows how long, who have, been, who have been exiled from their home, their family, who can't work in their regular occupation. They have to live outside of the village. These are, the, these are outsiders. It's a story about desperation. And they call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us or have pity on us. They call out to the master of mercy. The reputation of Jesus precedes him. And their desperation has direction. Um, These are people that have this just uh, abundantly evident desperation about their lives. That they're separated, they're outside, they're far away from anything that they would want. And because of that, because they know they can't deny the ache for what they want, they can't deny their hopelessness and their desperation, it aims them towards their Savior. When I was a kid, we had uh, one of my uncles um, was kind of the the fill-in-the-blanks for dad uncle. You ever had one of those? My dad was good at a lot of things, but like, Doing the kind of manly fix-it stuff was not one of them. Like, he, couldn't, he could take care of a lawn, really good at the lawn. That's it. He couldn't, he couldn't do any of the other fix-it stuff around the house. But I had this uncle, Uncle John, my mom's brother, and she, my mom would, like, farm us out to Uncle John for weekends. Go to Uncle John, learn about being a real man. I mean, like, a good, it's fine. You're a real man, Dad. But go on to Uncle John. And so Uncle John, we did all kind of cool things, like work on his truck. I replaced his distributor cap with him. I never did it on any of my own cars, but I did it with him. And, uh, and Uncle John would do cool things like do woodworking and like build his own furniture and all this. And one of the things we would do with Uncle John as young, uh, super energetic and unwise uh, boys was receive homemade bows and arrows. Great idea, Uncle John, with like metal tips and everything. So Uncle John would make, uh, you know, would fashion our bow for us. We'd select the wood and then he'd plane it down and route it down and make sure it bent well and then use the string and then he'd hand us like this this handful of arrows and we're like okay like, yeah so we're going and shooting anything that uh, moves and doesn't move you know um but the thing that i realized is we take these arrows we shoot them over and over and over uh and as a young boy i wasn't taking particular care of my property uh but the feathers would come off you know, they would, like, if, if one of that's called the fletching on the arrow would come off, you know what happens if you shoot an arrow with just one of those gone? It does not go where you wish it to go. We didn't have any, like, you know, terrible accidents, uh, I'm thankful to say. But when you shoot an arrow without the, without the feathers on it, it just kind of zigs all over and you can't control it at all. It doesn't get to where you want it to go. These, uh, these lepers... They have, they, are, they know that they're desperate. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their case is hopeless. And that aims them straight towards their deliverer. 
that ache is their aim. It brings them straight to it. When you and I really believe that we, we are not desperate, when we really believe that we can figure it all out, we're all over the place, right? We zig from one solution to another. I was running one morning with uh, Jay and Boozer and some other guys, and, uh, and I was uh, talking with the group. There was about six of us that morning. And I was presenting some, some problem. It doesn't matter what. It was some kind of menial problem. And I was saying, no, I don't really know what to do about this. And then one guy would say, well, I, I always try this. Well, no, no, I know that one. I tried that one. Okay, well, um, have you thought about doing it this way? No, yeah, I thought about that. That wouldn't work because of this. And it went for about four or five different offerings before the most outspoken and obnoxious among our group, not Jay. <laughs> not Boozer either. It was another guy. <laughs> Says, well, we just can't tell you anything, can we, Corby? You guys, you just got all the answers, don't you? And I realized that what, what I, I mean, that was like, you know, those like harmless moments where the Holy Spirit's like, hey, listen, you know, it was one of those. Uh, it was not the still small voice. It was one of those moments where I, oh my goodness, what I do is make sure that everybody knows I'm the expert. I'm good. I might have problems, but you certainly aren't going to be the one to help me with them because I've got it covered. I'm, I, you know, anything you can offer I've already considered or I've got it on my own. I'm all right. And I kind of and I keep everybody at bay. I keep help at bay because there's no way I'm going to really reveal that I'm desperate. But that's what these guys have going for them. They, they say, bring it. They call out in a loud voice, Master, have pity on me. I'm utterly hopeless. And, it's, and, and when we don't know our hopelessness, when we don't know our ache or our desperation, we're like an arrow without fletching. We're just all over the place. We're running from one solution to another, but certainly not to the real help. Certainly not to the real healer. So call out, call out in a loud voice. Your ache is your aim. The ache is what causes you to draw near. And then call out and then go away. There's this really curious part, right? So just a few chapters before this, Jesus healed another leper. He just put his hands on him, said, I'm willing, be clean. He touched the unclean leopard and, a leper and transmitted his cleanness to the leper. Why didn't he just do that again? Boom, 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 boom. Ten times. Done. But instead, he, he sends them even further away from him. They have to call out from a distance, and then he sends them further away. The fun part about this story is that Jesus is, is pretty static, if you notice. In this whole story, he's kind of there, static declaring, and it's the lepers who are moving. And it's the leper and the, uh, we're supposed to focus on. So what do they do? So let's focus on them. What are they doing? They obey right away. A strange command. They obey it immediately. Have you ever run across a piece of scripture like, I don't think so. Not really, really. Really? It's their desperation that produces obedience. Well, I've tried everything else. What do they have to have? They, 
So he says, go to the priest. He says, go to your local priest whose job it was to declare when somebody was clean and welcome back in. Right? So that's the passage we read from Leviticus where the priest would actually inspect and say, yeah, it looks like you're clean. You can come back. You can go home. You you can rejoin society. So before you're going to be declared clean, what has to happen? You have to be. This is an easy one. Yeah. You have to be clean. But they obey. They go to the guy who's going to declare them clean because they believe that they're going to be clean by the time they get there. They act right now as if something in the future was true. Does that sound like anything you've heard before? A Bible word? Not Jesus, God, Bible, but faith. It's one of the other big ones, right? They, they obey in faith as if something in the future is true. Something they don't see will absolutely come to pass. But it's their, again, it's their desperation that leads them to obedience. Their, the reputation of Jesus, this guy knows what he's doing. And I've got no other hope. That leads them to this faith-filled obedience. And then the one Samaritan returns. So this is actually the, 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 the focus point of this narrative, is the return of this outsider among outsiders. He is the furthest away from all the good stuff that God has to offer. He's the furthest away from being whole. He's not in God's regular people, and even so, he's because he's a Samaritan, and then even so, he's even further back because he's a leper and isolated from community. Jesus says, go show yourselves. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So call out. Go away. Fall down. You ever seen um, light pass through a prism? been at the science museum or seeing a, a chandelier that's got these crystals and prisms on it and you shine white light through it and then what happens you see a rainbow right so as the light passes to and through the prism it spreads out and becomes more beautiful that's exactly what this leper is doing he brings his happiness straight to jesus He brings his gladness to the feet of Jesus. The other ten lepers, you think they were pretty happy to be cleansed? They were happy. They got to go back to their families. They got to go back to their jobs. They got to go back to their, their, all their, their their life was returned to them. But they took their happiness elsewhere. This, This leper brings his happiness straight to the feet of Jesus and says, you're the cause. Because desperation reduces Distance, all distance and alienation whatsoever are evaporated. Early in the story, this guy had to be far away. He couldn't come near. Then he was sent even further. But now, after his cleansing and his gratitude aimed at Jesus, he's right up next to him. 
And Jesus says to him this curious and beautiful statement. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This word well is trans. If you look in, in your uh, in like different translations, I use BibleGateway.com. You can just put up a bunch of different English translations next to each other. You'll see this word translated differently almost every of our major translations. It's because it was this great kind of, um, uh, I don't know, whole wonderful word. It says, the NIV translates it really well to say well. That your faith has made you well. Uh, other translations say it made you whole. Other translations say it, it, your faith has saved you. All these things are in the range of this word. The beautiful thing is, and the important thing is, nobody else got this except the guy who came back. Jesus said this only to that guy, only to the guy that aimed his gladness to the feet of Jesus. He's the one who gets this declaration, you are well, you are whole, you are saved. And it's the Samaritan leper, the most desperate of the desperate. And Jesus says, "Go on, rise and go, or go on your way. So call out, go away, come near, and go on your way. And Jesus, like, uh, like the light passing through a prism, sends them out and says, spread this gladness in me, this gladness of your healing and your wholeness as you go. When we are people of mercy, we, when we have received mercy, we become people of mercy. When we are people of desperation, we are attracted to the desperate instead of repelled by them. We assume other people are aching and desperate and lonely and, and unwhole. It's an assumption you make. We don't have to be surprised when we find out about our heroes messing up. We don't cancel them. We become curious. Go on your way like light passing through a prism. And I, I'm going to tell you that, that becoming openly desperate with, with other people is not something that sounds good to me. Becoming openly aching with people around me is not something I want to do. And you and I will never be We'll never become honest about our desperation unless we understand the birds. In the first passage, in the first uh, service, we were reading the Leviticus passage, and Barnes turns to me and goes, That's weird. (laughs) And he is right. This again is this. Uh, what was commanded for, for someone who is unclean, who is far away, to be declared welcomed back in. And so the, um, the priest would take two, two birds and hold one over living water, that is flowing water that was captured, and, and kill it and allow the blood to drip into the water. The second one was, was taken with cedar wood and, and red thread and hyssop, hyssop for cleaning, and dipped into the blood and the water and sprinkled on the formerly unclean one to declare them welcome, whole, saved. But that leper never actually makes it to the birds. 
that leper comes back to the one who's far better. He comes back to the one who in just mere days from this account will be in Jerusalem giving his life for his people. And when he is pierced, blood and water will flow from him, bringing cleansing and forgiveness, wholeness, restoration, and salvation to many. He doesn't just declare cleanness, he creates it. And he has created it for you and me, the unwilling to be desperate he pursues. He doesn't wait for you to come to him. You are welcomed and you will be cleansed. Let your ache aim you to to the only one who can heal and restore. And this meal that he offers us today is a meal of wholeness. It's a meal of restoration. Anytime uh, mercy is offered, true mercy is free to the recipient, right? The leper didn't even have to come up with the birds to, for the sacrifice or anything. He just had to call out oh, and he went away and then he came and fell at his feet. He received mercy for free. But mercy is costly. Mercy always requires a swapping of places. And Jesus on the cross swaps places with this leper. This leper, this Samaritan who is outsider of outsiders, alone among the alone, Jesus trades places with him because on the cross he was not only abandoned by all his friends, he was not only rejected by all of humanity whom he came to save, but his father had to turn his back on Jesus and pour out his wrath. So Jesus gets the aloneness and we get the healing. He gets the rejection and we get the mercy. And we commemorate that and we, and we enjoy that and participate in that in this meal. This is a meal of costly mercy for you and me. Because on the night he was betrayed, when Jesus was having supper with his friends and took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. And in like manner, after the meal, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is shed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Take and eat. For as often as we eat this meal, as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we commemorate his death until he returns again. 